This is the Strode College Digital T-Level Podcast. Right, so, then stand below. Digital analysis. Bailey, you're going to you're gonna have to download the podcast from this morning. Yeah. If you want to go over that, just get out of here. Characteristics, applications of Al Gore and his rhythms. Algorithms. Basic definition of an algorithm is just a set of rules. Okay. Simply put, algorithm process set of clearly defined rules followed to support calculations on problem solving. Does it do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this? Right. Set of rules. Is this number part of this sequence or not? If it's not, move to here. If it's not, move to here. Move not into it. So basic programming is about a set of algorithms. If this process is happening, is there a sub-process? Is it going to lead to a conclusion? If not, move on. Is it going to lead to a decision? If the decision leads to this sub-decision, etc., etc. An algorithm just a set of rules and instructions that make you start, go from beginning to an end, right? a decision process. So going, that's the overall definition, right? So just a set of instructions, very clearly defined. Any computer program essentially is a set of algorithms. Mouse is a bit oversensitive. I'm on the list. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Do I use this weapon or do I use that weapon? Is this going to kill the baddies or not? It's just a set of algorithms that are running in the background saying this person now using a shotgun in the game. Shotgun's going to cause this amount of damage if it hits the, the, uh, the thing that's attacking them. Therefore, it's making these decisions. And these processes are running constantly. And if you think about Windows 11 is basically a massive algorithm with millions and millions of lines of instructions and rules. Is the mouse in this part of the screen? Is the button being clicked? Does it interact with this? Are they typing this on the screen? All these little sets of instructions, basically how computers work. In more detail then, those, those sets of instructions have some other aspects to them which you need to understand. Right? So, in terms of not being Buzz Lightyear, these instructions are finite. They have finiteness, which means... They'll uh, run out. Yeah. They have an ending, right? They're not like the universe that go on forever. They have a finite point. Again, and, and you can think about finiteness in terms of, well, I suppose there is no finiteness to maths, is there? It just goes on and on forever like the universe. But in terms of financial things at the moment, or is it changing, but there's only a finite amount of money in your bank account, I would imagine. It doesn't go on and on forever. Otherwise, you'd all be buying all sorts of things. And if you think about it, really, if you're playing a, like a computer game, you don't want to find an infinite number of steps. If you have to go through, well, you might do, but again, if you're playing a game and you have to go through 15 million different sequences in order to get some simple prize at the end, you're not going to play that game for very long. You're just going to get bored of it. So again, algorithms, they should be designed in an effective way, an efficient way, right? You shouldn't have step after step after step after step. Do this, do this, do this, and then make a decision. Not do this, this, this endlessly until something else happens, okay? Everyone understand? So there's, there's a limited number of steps for efficiency's sake to make sure the set of instructions are effective. Right? If I'm making a cup of tea, I don't just keep pulling the tea bag in and out for 55 hours, unless I like really strong cold tea, for example. Uh, they also, so this is mostly about verbs, isn't it? So neatly or unambiguous. 
Right, it's no good giving some of the set of instructions, which is utterly meaningless, because you're not going to get a set of instructions that are going to lead anywhere. Right? So no ambiguity. The thing should be really clear. Set of instructions. If I give you a set of instructions, I shouldn't say, can you go over there and get something for me? You say, over where and what do I get? You know, and how long am I supposed to take? So I need really clear instructions. Okay? So algorithm needs to be very set and clear. If it's ambiguous, it's going to be a load of nonsense. It won't work properly. Clearly defined inputs and outputs. Again, when you're playing the game, if you've played the game and you've won all of the things that you've asked to win, you should get an output saying, congratulations, you moved to the next level. It shouldn't say, do these five things and you'll move to the next level. You do those five things, says, no, no, what I meant is do it like this. Right? So the instructions need to be clearly defined. And if it asks you to put in an input, then it should expect and do that input and nothing else. So if it asks you to put in your email, you should be able to type anything else into that field in terms of a set of instructions. Right? So the instructions, if you think, have to be clear. They have to be finite. They have to be understood. And the inputs and outputs have to make sense to you. So again, this is if you're writing stuff yourself. Whether it's a set of user guides, if you set, write a user guide on how to use your piece of software, how to fix the network, it's got to be clear. Right? And a set of instructions, like a user guide, is an algorithm. Do this to the network, plug this cable in, make sure it works, make sure it's no longer than a kilometre, etc, etc, etc. All clear instructions, unambiguous. If you follow all those instructions, you should end up with the right kind of result or output in this case. It should be logical. Do we put in classic test, do we put jam first or do we put clotted cream first on the scum? We don't need clotted cream. Oh, right. Do we put the milk in first or oh, the tea bag first? Do, do cereal. Do cereal. Cereal, cereal go first or the milk go first? Milk or cereal? Which, which goes first then? Cereals. Cereal. Why? Anyone that's put the milk first is wrong there's a logical sequence. That's probably not a good example, but it's no good driving my car unless I put petrol in, right? If it says drive your car 15 miles and then put petrol in the tank to make it go, that's not a logical sequence, is it? So the instructions need to be logical. They need to make sense. Again, if you think about, if you're writing user guides, this is sort of how this relates, I suppose, for your support jobs or your data analytics. It has to follow a logical sequence. One thing should follow another in some type of logic. Again, using that example, it's no good saying, type in all this document that I've asked you to type in and then switch your computer on. Right? So again, a bit then one key thing in terms of an algorithm is iteration. Iteration means repeating the same thing. Right? Simple example of iteration, put your password in, no, wrong password, put your password, no, wrong password, put your wrong password, take five minutes out, do it again, or reset, or whatever, right? It's an iteration. Just do a set of sequences for a certain period of time, but don't do it forever. Testing your memory, how many iterations are there when you send a, a, a request to another server? across the internet using about? using routers five. how many iterations it's five 20 yeah. one no zero 30 is it 30, 30 pops it is 30 yes, yes. <laughs> right so iteration the actual the, the internet would not work if every single machine was communicating with every single machine all the time endlessly so if I send a request to try and find a website on the other side of the world, it will go through 30 hops, 30 different machines, and each time it goes through each machine, it adds a little piece on the package saying, I've just come from here and I'm going there. 
When it gets to the 30th machine, if it hasn't reached its destination, that 30th machine reads all the other 29 and says, sorry, zap. Right? Otherwise, the internet would just be, just be spinning around doing nothing. Um, the other thing is about selection. Again, when you've got those drop-down form fields, you need to be given the selection choices which make sense to you that work properly. Right? In terms of actual characteristics of algorithms, so the selection of stuff that leads to choices should make sense. Okay. Choose this in order to go to the next level. Choose this in order to do that. Choose this in order to go that direction. Right. So there's some sort of selection that needs to lead to a choice. So an algorithm's got to make sense and it's got to lead to something at the end of the day, otherwise it's pointless. And again, it's a set of instructions. So when you're filling in some form, it's no good filling in that form and, and the raft paragraph says, Sorry, this form, I just made you do it because it's to waste your time. You wouldn't be very happy if it took you five hours. So it needs to lead to something, some sort of choice, some sort of step. So this set of instructions has to have a purpose. I guess that's the sort of bottom line, isn't it? And it has to be structured English. There is an organisation, another Quangos. Everyone remember that? Quangos? Quasi autonomous non governmental agencies. Quangos are, are things that work on behalf of the government. They're not part of the government, but they do the government's jobs. And there is a Quango which actually looks after written documentation in the public sphere. Public sphere and says, is this well written? And they give awards about how well written it is. Because if you can't understand, particularly government instructions, Bailey, then you're not going to get stuff done, right? If you rely on some really complex document just to get a job application, you're not going to get the job because you're, you're stopped at the first barrier. So again, in terms of an algorithm, set of instructions, the instructions should be clear. Even if those instructions are filling, if it's filling an application form for a job, it shouldn't be asking you, okay, this, this is a, um, I can't remember the name of it, Gray's Theorem, which has never been solved by anyone in the world in mathematics, you need to solve it to get this job. I mean, it's, it's not properly sort of documented for you, isn't it? It's not the right appropriate thing in terms of an algorithm to get you to the end point. Right, yay. Works. Right. So that's how algorithms are made, right? It's a set of instructions, various attributes towards that instruction set. Then how do we apply them or where are they applied in sort of digital stuff? Uh, algorithms used in automation, right? If you've got a clear set of instructions, you can use an algorithm in, in terms of doing that. Again, a really simple example of algorithms which are taking over is in the States. Most of the lower courts in America no longer have judges, they just use algorithms. So the algorithm, you, you input all the data, this was the speed the person's doing, this is what they were supposed to be doing, etc., etc. And then the algorithm says, right, they were, they were doing 35 miles an hour in a 30 zone, the law says it's supposed to be this, here's your fine, pay your bill. You don't need a judge to make those decisions, it's all quite clear. And the algorithm can make those automated calculations, and that's much more efficient. You don't need to pay a judge thousands and thousands of pounds over many, many years to get experience enough to make those decisions, you just write a piece of software that does it for you. And they can make those those calculations quite easy. And increasingly, you'll find, again, I've mentioned this before, on lots of websites, particularly insurance websites and things like that, you've got a, an AI bot which says, what kind of insurance do you want? What's your car? What's the year? What's your no claims bonus, etc. Et Bingo, here's your, here's your fee. And then you just phone up and say, I'll pay my fee, please. Does anyone use those for car insurance? We're not at that yeah. stage yet, are you? Basically, you go onto a car website, you put in all your details, 
it generates an automatic invoice which goes to your email and then you pay the bill. You don't interact with anyone in order to do your car insurance. It's all automated. Now again, the downside is people have lost a job as a result of that, but in terms of a customer experience, it's much easier than trying to argue with somebody that doesn't understand what you're saying. You just fill in all the details, press a button, pay your bill, you've got your insurance. So loads of automation that's happening through algorithm. Algorithm, remember, set of instructions. So is your car this? Do you have no claims bonus? How many years have you been driving? Is it parked on the garage, blah, blah, blah? Here's your fee. That's all automated. Um, application for algorithm design step-by-step -step solution to solve a problem. Uh, one of the classic things, well, not so classic, one, one thing that was used recently for an algorithm is scientists have been struggling for years and years now to try to get uh, nuclear fusion working. Yep. Endless supply of energy. Nuclear fusion is what the sun uses. Now, they create an algorithm, put in all the details about it. Haven't they um, actually like, almost done that? They have done it, yeah, using an algorithm. So they've spent years and years trying to get this to work. They fed all the data into an algorithm, and the algorithm came up with a solution within a couple of days, on a supercomputer, and they've now got fusion working for about seven or eight minutes, non-stop. Right? And if they can crack it, it means endless energy for nothing, really, because it's splitting atoms that are readily available. I think hydrogen and nitrogen atoms or something like that. Splitting it. Helium fusion. Up, fusion is joining. It's sticking them, yeah, sticking them together. Yeah. Why is electricity going up, then? That's a long story. I'm not going to go into it. It's political. No, there's lots of factors. Right, so algorithm solves problems. If you can create the actual set of instructions, again, depending on the type of problem, you can make a fairly complex algorithm to solve almost anything. And increasingly, we are moving towards this automated world, aren't we, where, where computer algorithms will do all the solutions for us. You put in all the data, put in all the sets of instructions, all the parameters, it whizzes through and says, here's your answer. Computer says no, whatever. Uh, supports machine learning for data analysis. Again, algorithms are used very effectively these days in order to speed processes up. In order to be really good at picking things out, as a GP, over years and years and years, it'd still be very difficult to pick up instances of skin cancer, whether it's malign or, um, benign or malignant, you know, whether it's dangerous or not. Now, what they do with machine learning is they feed in billions and billions of photographs of different cancers, and then they just put the picture into the machine. The machine then compares that against billions and billions of pictures of, of things that turned out to be cancer, and it says this has got a 99% chance of being cancer, or it's okay. Now, doctors takes years to be able to do that, but with a machine, <coughs> you've got billions of pictures with actual results, it takes seconds. Right? And that's really speeded up the process of medicine in a big way. And the other thing in terms of algorithms, machine learning, is looking for problems and trying to solve those problems. So lots of jobs, if you're into software development now, or data analytics, is in creating algorithms to solve all these complex problems of society, or various other things. So you know, how do we make sure that these different things work? How do we solve climate crisis or whatever? You feed all this data into a machine with all these different sets of algorithms and instructions, and it just churns away till it comes up with results. They may be good, they may not, but it does help the actual thinking process. Any questions on that? Oh. All right, so algorithms are a, a form of computational thinking. Computation computers are very simple devices at the moment. A computer has only two states. It's either off or on. 
Right? It does it billions of times a second, but that's all it does. It's either off or on. There are two states, but those two state combinations mean lots of different things. Right, there is quantum computing, which is four different states, which has obviously improved things significantly, but those are still in very early stages of development. But within your lifetime, the, the existing computers will be replaced with quantum computers, which is going to make a, a massive difference to the world. Quantum computing, remember, I talked about this before, the, at the molecular, actually beyond the molecular, at the atomic level, stuff gets pretty weird. And at the atomic level, particles are in two places at once in different parts of the universe, but they're entangled. Quantum entanglement. Quantum entanglement, yes. And that means that if you can actually capture that quantum entanglement, you can have four different states that a particle will be in, and you can actually make decisions based on that. Rather than off-on, you've got off-on, off-on. Four different states. So you've automatically doubled, which is an exponentially massive change in computing power. But it creates a lot of heat. All right, so computational thinking. The first thing is decomposition. If you're dealing with a problem, what does that problem consist of? What are the main components of that particular problem that you're trying to solve? If you don't understand each part, you don't know the whole whole. You know, knowing each little piece of the puzzle means you can solve the whole thing. And it may be that if you break it down, if you decompose it into each element, you can deal with each element in, in separation and then hopefully find where the problem starts. So again, if you've got these four different things decomposed, you look at the first thing, that seems to work. The second one, that seems to work. The third one, ooh, that doesn't seem to work. So there's the problem. Right, so if you decompose the problem, you can make complex things quite simple and make it into little manageable chunks of stuff. And if you look at computer programming code, you'll see it's broken down into these little sub-programs in order to make it more manageable. Right, so decomposition is really important. If you're the first phase, if you like, we talked about this this morning, if you're given a problem to solve or you're trying to solve something, if you do a flow diagram, we talked about data flow diagrams this morning, if you say this is the start, this is the end point, this is all the stuff in between, if you visualise it, first of all, and decompose it into a visual graphic, you can say, OK, what do I need to make this happen from A to B? That point there looks quite complicated, so we'll pull that across, give that to a different department to work on, etc. Right, so you decompose it, it gives you those complexities into something that's manageable. And most organisations will break stuff down, and they'll have a team working on that little bit, some team working on that little bit, and they'll all come together and, and try and make it sure it all works together over time. The other part about computational thinking is pattern recognition. If you're looking at sort of code in terms of a, in, in what the code works or in problems, hopefully if you're looking at a problem long enough, if you did this in mathematics, you'll start seeing sort of some type of pattern emerge. Every time I do this, that happens, right? Pattern recognition. Classic joke, somebody goes into doctor, doctor it hurts when I do this, well don't do that. Have that one for free. Pattern recognition, looking for patterns. Why is it every day at this particular time this happens? Right? Um, and I mentioned, I think I mentioned about in terms of pattern recognition, I went to some show years ago, two or three years ago now. This, this company was a computer, did algorithms based on data from social stuff coming in. It was a Danish company. They said in there, they recognised a pattern where that, because at, at Danish schools, kids are asked, different things about their social life, and one of the things they're asked in primary school is whether they brush their teeth or not. Yeah. So they've picked up this pattern that certain children were not brushing their teeth, 
and that correlated very strongly with domestic abuse, right? So they put the two together, and that pattern, they could then target social services to find out if you ask the primary school kid if they didn't brush their teeth in the morning, 90% of the time it's because they're being abused at home. And so that pattern match led, led to recognition of a problem that they could then solve by then dealing with that issue. My mom beats me. I don't brush my teeth at home because my mum bleeds so hard my teeth all fell out. For legal reasons, that's a joke. Right. Uh, abstraction. Yep. Abstraction. Simply put, what is that? A circle. And that? A line. It's a tangent. A piece of basketball. Alex, you work at Domino's, that's what you think of as a pie. <laughs> it's a wheel, very expertly done wheel. Right, so to abstract a wheel, you just draw a circle in a very simple way. So an abstraction is just a, a representation of something in the abstract, so it's not meaningful, and then you build out the details until it becomes meaningful. So if I abstract a problem, for example, you know, I think of an abstract problem, an example of an abstracted problem. Classic abstraction you want, you from uh, Cal. Existing, does it exist? Uh oh, Calcus, I think his name was. Does the, when you step into a river, is it the same point you step into? It's not because it's already moved on. That's well, a classic abstraction of oh, your life. That's some awesome. wacky shit right there. Anyway, abstraction. So <laughs> this is again going going from the abstract to something that's very sort of wishy-washy, if you like. This, is some, this problem is sort of around this area, right? It's an abstraction. There's no detail to it, it's not very focused. You then move in more and more focused to get to the actual very detailed part of the problem. So looking at information, the first part, if you abstract it, it just gives you a rough picture about what's going on. So you can then start thinking about the focus of it. So if you abstract something, um, like solving a problem, if you're saying, if you abstracted this college and said, this college, for some reason, every day at nine o'clock, the, the network goes down, right? You just have to say there's, there's a problem at nine o'clock. There's no detail to it, but it gives you a starting point to start thinking about. So, okay, if that's the problem, there's a problem at nine o'clock every day, what could be the answer to that? So you then start thinking about different possible answers. You then build up the solution bit by bit, yeah? you, by eliminating other things. Okay? Yes, so abstraction is the starting point. Right, then what you need to do is, what, how do you act upon that? So you've made this abstraction, you've got this general analysis, which is very vague. So then, in terms of action, what's the sequence of things that are taking place within this problem solving? What is the order? So again, slightly different way of looking at what we looked at earlier on. So what is the order of problem solving? If you are trying to solve something, like if you're working in a network environment, for you, those of you doing support, Again, we did this in terms of your employer set project. You first of all start out, if, if things aren't working very well, is it external? Is it that network is no good outside? The internet's rubbish? 
Is it the physical cables inside aren't working, the physical side of things? Is it the operating system and you work your way up through more and more detail? In the end, you might end up saying, well, it's actually just the application. The reason that the email's not working is because the email plant's rubbish, or the hardware's not up to dealing with it, or the network cabling is rubbish, or the internet server, you know, again, there's different ways of looking at it. The order of the process is going through that. And again, I suppose, like if you were troubleshooting a network, you might work back up through the OSI model or, up or down through the OSI model, right? So the OSI model is an abstraction, isn't it? Nothing exists in the real world which is the OSI. But the OSI model, that seven layer model, is an abstraction of how the internet works. Does that make sense? And if I use that abstraction, the OSI model, I can go through the layers and I can tick them off one by one. It's not the presentation layer, it's not this layer, it's not the session layer. Ah, it's the data layer. That's where the problem lies. Everything else is working okay. okay. So abstractions are useful. And that's why lots of people use abstractions like OSI model, those types of things, in order to make things clearer to understand how to solve particular problems. All right, then, in terms of action selection, looking at what parts you need to use. There may be some parts of the problem that you just don't need to worry about because they're actually functioning. So you need to select and execute only the things that are not currently working for you. All right, so process of elimination. Does this work? Does this work? No, that one doesn't. That works, but not as well as it should. So I'm going to come back to that one later on. Right, selecting where the problem lies. And then we're back to this iteration again. If I'm testing a system, so again, the, if I'm testing a system, I set up a network for somebody or a computer. If I just test it once and say, oh, yeah, I, I, I plugged it in, I booted it up, everything's fine, here you go. They go away and after the fifth time it collapses, then you're not going to look very good. So again, iteration, test it a few times within reason and say that currently worked, right? That goes from sort of scientific uh, principles. Nothing is actually true, really. The scientific principle is that you test things until they fail. At the moment, Einstein's theory has not failed. Therefore, it's as close to truth as there can be. But it might at some point fail, given the changes in science, I guess. Right? So there is no truth. You have to keep testing and testing and testing until it breaks. And some stuff breaks off with that. Iteration, you keep doing these things until the conditions are met. So you test it over and over again until it, you know that it's going to work. The condition might be that it, it sends an email 10 times without a problem. If it meets those conditions, that iteration of tests, then you move on. Tools or problem solving algorithm design. Right, so in order to create these problem solving uh, elements, you might use some sort of decomposition diagram. That's like a flow chart in a way, isn't it? You, you picture or abstract the problems in terms of pictures, your flow diagrams. It then helps you focus on where things might be going wrong. If you've got a decent flow diagram, you can say, does it work here? No. Does it work here? Yes, yes, yes. Go, go back to there. Is it that thing or is there something else underneath it that's broken? So again, making a decomposition diagram just helps you visualise where things are going wrong or where to look, where to focus your energy or time. Uh, so flowcharts, again, you've got starting point, feedback loops, endpoints, etc. Right, so you can explain anything with a flowchart. Have you done any flowcharts in, in any other things? Yeah. 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 Uh, pseudocode, so this is, the, this is the process of programming, really. You do a diagram in flowchart, you then turn it into pseudocode, which is sort of easy to understand language, saying, uh, take this input, do this with it, do this with it, do this with it, and then print out this. That's beginning to the end. So pseudocode is a very simple language to explain what the process is up to. 
Has anyone seen pseudocode? Do you know what that yeah, is? Yeah, we yeah. have to write something. We did it with David. Did you? Oh, nice. Okay. Well, you well, that's it, it's four done. Wow, that was Ooh. light work. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Hopefully you learned something. If you didn't, listen to it again. You might actually learn.